I think it was really, if I'm honest, it was Michael O'Hare, actually. Uh, the, the Sunday afternoons that conjured up very special memories for me. A uh, long time ago now, certainly the late 50s and the 60s. Uh, and this is listen to the old wireless set. And uh, I remember actually the time uh, you, were, you, were, you, were, you were competing with the incessant cracking noises with the old wireless. Because, you know, it was a great reception. I remember my father shouting, turn it off. Because he wanted it more for being a farmer for the weather forecast. So I think really that did more uh, to advance my interest. And when I, I was talking to this crop of, 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 of um, poppers and hurlers, um, he did it for them as well. Um, I had a huge interest in the, in the, in the poppers and hurlers for the 40s, 50s, and 60s. That might be Austin something to do with that I uh, left, um, left to Sligo in 1967 to come to the UK. Uh, and uh, I was fortunate uh, in later years uh, to work for the BBC when I had a chance actually to um, to meet and talk to uh, a lot of these uh, of, of my idols at the time. Um, now, sadly, a lot of them have, have passed on. That's probably to do with, with age uh, more than anything else. So I suppose I started, I would have thought the first interest I had was about 1956, Austin. I was about eight. And I remember listening to the Wexford Cork All Ireland Hurling final, one of the greatest in the history of, of Gaelic games. And uh, from that moment on onwards, uh, my uh, my mind had been set, and I wanted I wanted to play myself at a good standard. Never quite reached there, but that was the start of it. I'm looking at some of the names that you feature in this book, and you mentioned Wexford, the Racker family come to mind there. But names like Packy McGarty. John McAndrew, Mick O'Connell, Sean Mead of Galway, Ray Carolyn. Were these all kind of players you looked up to as a young guy? Well, I certainly did. The Rackers in particular, and Patch Kill Wexford, now a lot of the older people would remember them. They were a fantastic hurling uh, uh, team of the 50s and, and early 60s. And uh, the reason I thought I liked Wexford more than any other county is because Patch Kill was... Uh, was one guy I idolised, and, and mainly because my my own mother's name was 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 Kill, albeit a different spelling. And I never th- I thought we were related. You know, when you're very young, I thought well, we must be related. I must be related to this man. And I kept all the snapshots and uh, listened to everything about him. Uh, whatever paper I had, I, I kept it as well. And I never thought for one second, Austin, that I would. Uh, I only dreamed that I would meet him, and and uh, I did meet him. Uh, it's the same with Billy Rackards. Uh, not that the other two, the more famous ones, Bobby and Nicky, uh, not that they refused. It's just that the Grim Reaper had crept in and had died before I had a chance to meet him. So that was the start of it all for me. And it's the same with um, the the others. Packy McGarty uh, was another hero of mine. I mean, he played in, in four All-Ireland, uh, four uh, uh, Connacht Senior Championships uh, in, in the late 50s, beaten. Uh, by Galway, who kept him at the West of the Shannon for all that time. But Patrick McGarty was was a, an amazing character. Uh, I saw him play a couple of times, and then I met him as well. Uh, he was a very slightly built man, and yet he 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 was as good as any of the big fellas who was, was marking him. And sadly, I was sad to hear that he died uh, last year as well. And it occurs to me, Henry, there's very little broadcast footage, radio or TV, of a lot of the people you feature in this book. There are some photographs, but we do rely on the written words to pass on just how good these players were back in the day. Well, there were another guy, uh, without uh, sort of dropping too many, was Mick O'Connell. 
uh, Mick was quite a private shy man, never gave interviews. And he was the chap when he captained very young, at a very young age in 1959, carried the victory over Galway. When it was all over, he uh, left the Sam Maguire Cup with him and he uh, got back to, to Valencia Island and sailed the boat across uh, 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 there. I went to work the following morning and uh, I spent a couple of oh, we did, there was definitely wife, very enjoyable days and nights with them. And uh, he was an amazing character, really. I was very, very fortunate that, that I got on well with him. And, um, you know, he gave me a really lowdown on, the, on, on, on football. And, I mean, in fairness to him, he was, he was probably the first, uh, the George Best of, of Gaelic football. It's the first superstar to me, anyway. I saw him a couple of times, not playing for Kerry, but I saw him playing in the now defunct uh, River Cup that represented the sides, uh, playing for Munster. And my goodness, he, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was like a salmon. He, he was one of these guys, actually. A lot of the good midfielders then would run at the ball and jump, but he could, could from a standing position, just leap up in the air and grab it. Now, the funny thing about, about uh, Mick, what he said to me, the present-day football, I spoke to him recently as well, if it was played the way it is now, with this uh, back and forward, you know, and running around with the ball in circles, he would never, never have played Gaelic football. Uh, and that was from him. Um, another guy that's featured very much in there is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, unfortunately, a lot of them in there now uh, have died, but Ricky Walsh was the captain of, um, of Waterford in 1959. He's passed away, and again, Waterford has not won the Lee McCarthy Cup since then, but Again, he was uh, an idol of mine. Um, in fact, I also remember my mother in that year. I was young. She bought me a hurl for Woolworths. That was before your time, actually, Austin, in Sligo. Brought it home. I made a old ball. Might have been a sponge ball and played around. But then the front of our house had millions of pebbles. So I used to blast off pebbles over the tall trees into the nearby field with a hurl. And, of course, that didn't go down well with her. So she her disappeared. Never seen it again. So... Anyways, it's got a long story short. Uh, we're down to see um, Frank and Walsh in, in, uh, in Waterford. What a gentleman. Told him the, the story about, about that, and I was, you know, pretending to be him. Within five minutes, I had a brand new hurl arrived to me uh, to the restaurant we were eating, and, uh, and that was him. Um, and uh, all these guys were so modest. Uh, P.T. Tracy of Fermanagh. Again, a name that wouldn't, I suppose, you know, stick out very much now, but a fantastic footballer. I saw him a lot, Austin, the seven five tournaments, which were really, really big in the 60s in particular. He used to play for a club called Devonick, with the league from board in the garrison. And, uh, you know, I played against him, didn't do much good, but um, idolised him. But then, about, oh, about 10 years ago, uh, I was doing one of my programmes that was talking about Gaelic football on the BBC. And this call came from a lady in Belfast saying, I don't know if you ever heard of a guy called Pat Tracy. So I thought, well, no, I've heard of a PT. Who it was it? It was him. And I found out that he later, uh, I spent about six months a year, about 15 miles away from me, in Ross, uh, a horse racing company in Lambourne. So again, I met him, and uh, he, was, you know, he was so modest and um, such, a, such a gentleman. What's interesting about the book, and you've touched on it there, Henry, you've obviously... Uh, done pieces on some of the household Gaelic games names you've mentioned some of them Mick O'Connell Mickey Kearns is in there Packy McGarty for Donegal fans Porrick McShay of St. Joseph's and Bally Shannon is in there Jimmy Smith of Armagh who captained the Orchard County to an All-Ireland final in 1977 is featured but there are less 
more obscure names. There's another Jimmy Smith in the book from Clare, and I have to confess, I've never heard of him. Well, Jimmy Smith was one of the most famous, iconic hurlers of the 1950s and early 60s. I mean, he still, although Clare have won two or three All-Irelands since, he never won an All-Ireland. But he was a bit like Forrest McShay in a way. He was, uh, he was a child prodigy, um, and he played for the Clare Miners for about four years, from about 14 onwards. Uh, they never won a Munster Championship. Uh, he was, I never saw him play now, in fairness. And I did meet up with him. Uh, he was quite a, an academic as well. Uh, he was, um, uh, I think, a professor of poetry or something. But I met him up at the museum at Croke Park that uh, long, long before he died. And he, he took me uh, on, on, a, on, a, on a tale uh, from his beginnings. Uh, so he wouldn't again be that well known. There's, there's some more there. There's the Cuddy's a Leash which again, they wouldn't be that well known, but they were a bit like the records of Wexford, they're very, very famous in Leash. And I had first-hand uh, knowledge of them because they had a big family of them that lived in Oxford there, and I saw them hurl as well. Fantastic hurlers. Uh, and they're, they played for the, the, the club in Camros, uh, near the Sleep Blue Mountains here in, 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 in Leash, and uh, they got an All-Ireland club final. And again... They wouldn't be that well known. There's a guy actually who's probably less known than any of them. It's called Colum Sheehan. Again, he played uh, not that much for Cork, but he won an All Ireland medal with them in 1966. Now, the kind of thing about this, uh, all right, is that Cork hadn't won an All Ireland, which was a, a lifetime uh, would ring around since 1956. He actually on the day was taken on, uh, played instead of Christy Ring, who would be about 46. 47, and he was great, playing great club hurling uh, for Glen Rovers, and obviously there was a lot of talk getting him on the 66 team, because he by then he had won eight All-Ireland hurling finals, as had John Doyle at Tipperary. So of course the Cork folk wanted uh, Ring to play, but he didn't play. And this fellow, Colm Sheehan, substituted him. And wait for it. On the day, he scored three goals, Colm Sheehan. That was a couple of weeks after the famous Jeff Hurst got three goals for England to win the World Cup in 1966. Now, he wouldn't be that well known. There's a guy called Phil O'Reilly, who's still alive, uh, and I think he's in his 90s. He's another patient for the more, and well. And he uh, played for all Cross against Ireland. He didn't win it. He's got to be. The thing is, um, in a way, Gaelic sports are actually the fabric of Irish society. They're not just sports to me anyway. Um, and the the story of these guys in this particular book, there's 21 of them, it's not all about their games they played. It, it's the social history of the times. It's just after World War, World War II. Um, Ration of petrol, couldn't get there. John McAndrew, a doctor, funny enough, uh, I met a few times in Birmingham, a GP. He told me stories about uh, when he, he was born in Bangor, Eris, near Bell Mullet, Bell Mullet in County Mayo. And to get noticed by the county's team, he had to go to Castle Bar to play. And in, in the first Mayo County Championship in about 1949, he cycled 25 miles to play in that county championship final with his togs and his boots on the handlebars of his bike. Won the medal and cycled back 25 miles as well. Now, that's hard to believe, isn't it, Austin? It certainly is. 
It occurs to me, Henry, you said you left Ireland in 1967 and you worked as a detective with Thames Valley Police for many years and then as a broadcaster more recently with the BBC in Oxfordshire. Did those, quote, investigative skills stand to you in, in putting this book together? <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. I left school uh, with very, very limited education. Uh, and I joined the police and you might say, well, I joined the police in England because I wasn't, wasn't tall enough uh, for the guard on my Irish and So I got in the police. I did all right. I got up to the rank of detective inspector. Uh, and then just before I retired, the BBC had gone through a bit of a transitional period to prefer the Scottish uh, or the Irish accents in preference to the, the posh English accents. And I fit in there well. I, I, I Before that, I was a test officer for Thames Valley Police. And I got a lot of exposure through national uh, outlets, television and radio. I got to work for them for about 25 years after the after over 30 years of the police. And I suppose in a way, uh, this uh, this was the medium that got me into writing uh, for work with the BBC. And I covered a lot of politics and you, you name it, sports, music in particular, uh, especially the show bands of the 60s was another part. If, if I'd spent half the time on my educational needs, instead of um, uh, Gaelic football and hurling, uh, I would have um, I would have done the probably a bit better, but that's how it that's how it it worked out, Austin.